Join us on our Galaxy-class starship as we head to Columbus, Ohio, the, this uh, December the USS, 2nd. USS Columbus. The USS Columbia? <laughs> oh, no, wait. Sorry. I was channeling the cage. There were no Galaxy-class starships back in the day. No, that's true. That was only in, uh, in, in Next Generation. And you don't know our 10th as well as... Oh, wait. That's not it either. Okay. What do they say? What do they say? These galaxy class starships. What is that ridiculous scene in Far Point where they're talking about the, you know, they're literally like I, I think it's I'm sharing the Bible by this new galaxy class starship. Okay, great. Good for you. How many times do they say galaxy quest in uh, galaxy? <laughs> How class? many times do they say galaxy quest? Galaxy class in, in Far Point, Darren. I don't know. I think uh maybe three times. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Yeah, they yeah. they want to really hammer it home because it's in the Bible. It's so they got to make it than, very clear. It's way bigger than the solar system class one. It's super bigger than the constellation <laughs> class. It's even bigger than the dreadnoughts. Okay, so uh, <laughs> the point of this, the point of this is that we, Darren Doctrine, Mark A. Altman, the Inglorious Trexperts, are going to be at GalaxyCon in Columbus, Ohio, December second through the fourth. You'll join be a, a, a wonderful romping weekend with us. Yes, yes. I, it's going to be great because uh, these are great conventions. Uh, Mike Broner and his team do a fantastic job. We're really excited uh, um, to, to be there. Um, we know that they're all about the fans, which is something that we found very attractive when we had the opportunity to go. Uh, and, and you can join us for live podcast recordings, interviews, meets and greets, special guests who will be attending the convention like Bill Shatner, Kevin. I have, I have in my notes, Kevin Sith. <laughs> <Who's that>? Kevin <laughs> Smith, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes, Brent Spiner, Terry Farrell, many others. Of course, and us. we would, and us. Well, of course, us. That's the most exciting of all. Your, we would your be honored favorite, if you would your join favorite, us. Favorite uh, wheeled scooter targets. Oh my God! I hope not. I hope not. I feel like they <laughs> they they set their sights on me. Like they've locked on. They've locked on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like when there's a phaser on on, on overload. Deflector is full intensity. Yeah. Yeah. But. Uh, but it's going to be great. We're really excited, and we hope you are too, and you'll join us in Columbus, Ohio, this December 2nd to the 4th at GalaxyCon. For more information or buy tickets, go to GalaxyCon.com today. Hey, Darren, have you heard about Trexpers Plus yet? Heard about it. We've we've done it. What it's are you amazing. About? Of course I've heard about it. It's so cool. You're getting the whole Trexpers experience, but you're also getting a new podcast from us the inglorious experts deck 78 this is true it's it's like a it's like hanging uh with us in the lounge on a starship but also cool guests talking about cool subjects trek adjacent topics like right. alien battle beyond the stars robocop logan's run the black hole you name it and we'll, uh, we'll, you know we'll be there who knows there might be a little uh, one about the godfather someday Oh, that'd be fun. Maybe I want to do that. Maybe won't be able to refuse that. They won't indeed. So it's real easy to join. If you want to support uh, the podcast and become a member of Trexpers Plus to get all the, the great Trexpers Plus goodness, you want to go to <laughs> TrexpersPlus.com, TrexpersPlus.com. And take word, off one for savings. Out. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, it, it, you, you can sign up. It's very easy. And then from there on out, you can enjoy the full experience and you can be find your way chosen. to deck 78 the hidden deck of the starship <laughs> enterprise and the inglorious trexperts where we hang out well yeah it's all good join us
thetrexpertsplus.com. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And this is Darren Dockerman. And Ashley Edward Miller. And we are the inglorious... Trexperts! Look at that! McCoy's finally in the opening credits! That's I love awesome. it! That's great! <laughs> I love it too! I want to get the big, like, disco suit. It's the fifth season. The medallion Easy. and the beard. Easy there. Do you want the medallion? I, we all want and the, the medallion. Mainly the beard and the hairy chest. want to be a little bit country, a little bit disco. So, um, and a little bit rock and roll. And speaking of rock and roll, we're going to rock and roll tonight on the Trek Spirits because we got the Brothers Tipton back and we're going to be talking about Star Trek video games. And uh, Darren, what, what, you had a great idea for tonight's episode's title. What is it? Uh, it is, uh, yes, uh, Balance of Terabytes. Balance of Terabytes, <laughs> which, is, which is good. Although a lot of those games, they weren't a terabyte. It was oh, more no, like not a, even, no. not even close. They weren't even a bite. No. Yeah. <laughs> they weren't like a nibble. They were just kind of a yeah, yeah. jump. Yeah, so we, we talk about it from the very beginning of the Star Trek video games to the uh, the current state of the union. And uh, I think it's it's very interesting. Uh, for Even if you're not a fan of video games, I think you'll find this episode interesting because it has the same eddies and currents that the franchise has had over the years. You know, you have, uh, you know, sort of uh, really games that were ahead of their time, games that were reflective of the times that we were made, and, and uh, some stuff that's really lousy, and then, uh, you know, kind of some more interesting stuff. So it's a very interesting balance, and we're going to talk about those balance of terabytes when we bring on the Brothers Tiptons, who just finished their new IDW miniseries, uh, the Mirror War, which I read is terrific. They did a great job. Um, I think they're very, you know, great. Uh, I, lo I love their, you know, I don't read a lot of comic books anymore, and I certainly don't read a lot of Star Trek comic books. Um, but uh, I read their stuff just because I like the guys, and um, and I think they've done a really remarkable job uh, uh, writing for Star Trek and capturing the voices of these characters, and uh, that's terrific. So I'm glad to have them back on the show. This is a subject that. Uh, that uh, Dave and Scott are very well versed in. And uh, why don't we have them beam on down? And here they are, two of my favorite recurring guests. Scott and David Tipton, although I prefer to refer to them as the Brothers Tipton. It just sounds more like the Brothers Karamazov, you know, which Shatner was so great in. It just it sounds more cool. It just sounds cool to me, at least to me. So welcome, guys. I'll take it. Thanks, man. Good to see you. Yeah, welcome. good to see you. Uh, um, I got to ask um, a really interesting, <laughs> at least to me, we're going to talk about video games. No question. We're, we have a lot to talk about. But today on the Inglorious Trexperts Twitter feed, there was a question from Mets Police, and I, anybody who is a Mets fan, I have to acknowledge on the show. And uh, they asked an interesting question. I figured, oh, who better than to, to ask you guys? And he, 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 he said, topic pitch, the motion picture unanswered questions. When would the Enterprise otherwise have launched if it didn't have to go intercept Viger? Weeks, months? Was Sonak the sci science officer anyway? Or did that just happen in the last few minutes? Who was the navigator, if not Ilea, which just seems like it happened on the fly? 
So, okay. So that was inter interesting questions. I got to say for people like us who are insane. Um, so any thoughts about this? Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things that always kind of puzzled me a bit about the motion picture is that when they're getting ready to go, Decker seems so cavalier about the whole thing. It's like almost that he's like, oh, is this any other mission? And Kirk comes on board and says, look, I've, we've got to do this. And Decker doesn't seem to have the same kind of immediacy about him that, that uh, Decker doesn't have the same, same immediacy that Kirk does. But so, I don't think he got the briefing. He no, only gets he a high-level briefing of how dangerous exactly. this entity is. I mean, it's it's the end of the world, and Decker's worrying about things that don't seem to be that as important to him as, as Kirk does, and it's very strange. And so that, that actually ties into this question, because I always wonder about there seems to be an immediacy, but not an immediacy to the beginning of that movie. Yeah, well, but I, I, I got to say, I think there's some easy stuff to answer here, because he says, why was Ilea, you know, a last minute replacement? Well, of course, Mr. Arix was there, but he got, <laughs> yeah. you know, he was still on vacation right. on uh, the Edo planet. The, well, the, and the of course, of he, course, we have Chief DeFalco on board. That's yeah. right. Who, right. Who was there even without uh, Shatner, uh, Kirk there. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was... Uh, Obviously, very qualified. <laughs> well, you know, although what she got back didn't live long. <laughs> but you know, her her oath of celibacy was not on record. No. If you ask uh, Shatner, okay. I so think, uh, whoa, I think Scott would have had them out of there in eight weeks, but he could do it for you in two. Yeah, right? No, I, absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think I think Sonak was the science officer. You know, he, he I don't know about that because no, I feel like no. Kirk was saying like I need a Vulcan and Sonak was the guy and there no, was no after Sonak dies he said I still want a Vulcan so it was after it was no, after no what? Darren you're the expert on this Here, movie Go ahead. What <laughs> when when they meet up in the tram station uh, he Kirk says I understand you you're you've accepted your assignment as a science officer based I'm told on oh, your on recommendation, your recommendation. Admiral. Yeah. yeah okay that's true so but maybe he no no well, well, maybe me okay ahead. maybe he recommended him before to, to Decker, Decker right and he yes, was yes. on his way to the enterprise so and Kirk had recommended him uh, but not uh, certain right so so it's it's very vague what what yeah. do the brothers Tipton's think was Sonak already assigned prior to this emergency or did Kirk inter intercede and get him assigned to the Enterprise? I think he had the gig already, but but it was that's at Kirk's recommendation. Yeah, yeah that, I, I, I think so that's the same thing, yeah. Because yeah. uh, Kirk is racist in favor of Vulcans. <laughs> I was right. not totally. going to say that, but He's I wonder about that too. actually Vulcan racist. <laughs> is it yeah. still profiling if it's a compliment? I don't know. <laughs> but, but it has to be, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean... You know, I'd still like a Vulcan there. Possibly. He still loves you know. his Vulcans. He loves his Vulcans. I mean, you know, and we got to assume that maybe Zahn was there previously, too. I mean, sure. Was he, though? You know? <laughs> a lot of Vulcans, you know. You, I, if you're I, not a Vulcan, you don't get to be on the flagship, apparently. I've never liked the character of Zahn and... Uh, never will. i never forgiven never him for will. the death of my boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, so, you know, we, we have this feeling about, now, uh, when was the Enterprise going to leave if Veecher hadn't shown up? Probably a while still, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was a refit. Yeah. I mean, from what Scotty says when they're on the travel party, it sounds like, I, I, I always kind of thought it was going to be weeks away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At I least think another so too. month. They had to have a shakedown cruise. Yeah, mm -hmm. they got to do workups, they got to yeah. do a shakedown. Yeah. Shakedown, you know, a lot of shakedowns. 
the thing the Mets police didn't ask, and maybe the Yankees police did, um, is why the enterprise? Like, why would fe the Federation or Starfleet not have a multitude of starships around Earth just to protect it, right? Wouldn't there be a number of, of, of powerful starships in the system, uh, in the solar system? Why, well, is, maybe, why is it the Enterprise? Maybe, no. but, but the Enterprise is the newest and most powerful starship okay. because of her reason. Also, and Kirk just convinced Admiral Nagura himself because Kirk got the uh, psychic connection from Spock and V'ger. Yeah. You're revered, Admiral Nagura. However, I, I would also submit to you that that the Enterprise is the only ship who is uh, in Earth orbit for the same reason that you don't generally have a ton of aircraft carriers who are deployable sitting yep. around at port for no goddamn yep. reason whatsoever to protect, you know, the, uh, the the continental United States. Their job is to be forward deployed. But and then the job what of a starship is, is to be forward the deployed. Earth? Like, what, what is there any? Earth, Why would you, know, you have a starship? Earth, that is designed to be you know, out defenses. there. Right, exactly. You have defenses for Earth. You don't need to have something that's work capable that well, has they haven't worked very well, science crew. <laughs> it's like, it would be it, silly to have multiple starships in orbit of Earth to defend her. It, it, it works fine for conventional enemies such as the Romulans or the Klingons, but against an unbelievable destructive power of V. That man, man is 22 AUs in diameter. <laughs> Yeah, that's a shitload of okay. AUs. First or, of all, or, it's, it's only two, but it was 82. So, <laughs> oh, Mr. Okay. Mr. Trexpert. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I've said this before. I'm not a trivia guy. I'm an expert on the making of the show, the behind the scenes, the, uh, the, the, how, the how the sausage is made. I, I'm not an expert on the actual sausage. <laughs> what? You're not a sausage spurt. No, I'm not a sausage guy at all. So don't um, you think you should rephrase that? <laughs> no, I think I'll let that stand exactly the way it was. So um, anyway, uh, guys, thank you for indulging me uh, on this question. I'm sure Mets Police is happy to have gotten this uh, this answer from us. Or maybe Mets and, Police should uh, be happy. And uh, and uh, you know that's what you get for being a Mets fan. You get due consideration. So uh, that's about as much sports as I can handle on the show. Okay, so we're here to talk about video games and um uh you know star trek has had how would you how would you say overall uh you know we, we know that the star trek licensing program it's always the you know the bridesmaid never the bride you know compared to star wars you know the toys are always second you know tier and the action figures and, and anything associated with, as a license it generally is not as um beloved or as much of the zeitgeist as other franchises have been how does star trek fit in or how does uh you want to fit in i want to fit in yeah with um <laughs> in, the, in the video game world i mean i guess you characterize it as a smattering you know it's always kind of around but on the on the outskirts and there's not really a lot of big high points but it's always there would you agree agree with that david yeah, I think so. I mean, what happens, I think, with early video games is there's a lot of connections to Star Trek because they kind of start at the same time in some ways. And so that's why you saw lots of basic games, little tactical and strategy games about playing Star Trek with on a grid way back in the 70s, because that's that's that 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 event is happening at the same time. I mean, it's 
It's sort of that oh. weird 70s phenomenon where video games and Star Trek and Star Wars 2 all kind of emerge at that same time. And so Star Trek gets a piece of that with those early basic games that, you know, if, you, if you've ever seen one of these old Star Trek games, it's, it's like a grid of eight by eight. And you move your Enterprise around and you shoot at the Klingons. And it, it's one okay. of the kind of earliest video games around in some ways. Yeah. yeah, yeah, time out. Because, like, it's like, oh, yeah, Star Trek is around, like, periphery. Wait a minute. It's 1971 that the Star Trek game first comes out, okay? Yeah. This is six years before Star Wars exactly. is even farted out of George Lucas's beehole. Like, it's like Star, Star Trek is a thing in 1971. And, um, by the way, that game, like, lasted and was a thing solidly for at least a decade. I remember playing that and thinking mm -hmm. that it was awesome. Like it was a great strategy game. Yep. So there was really no other game in town. When Star Trek, when that first game came out that was written basic, there was really nothing else. It was a big honking deal. It was, and it's also it was also a big deal at the time because in those days, the fact that the computer could simulate this is the Enterprise and it could pretend to be Klingons fighting you, that was huge. I mean, yeah. you know, you're used to playing a board game where you have to have a person on each side and you're actually playing against the computer was enormous at the time. Yep. It's, yeah. uh, it's funny that uh, it started out that Star Trek had the uh, cutting edge of technology in its games at the very beginning and then progressively went lower and lower uh as uh, as the years went by because let's face it the uh, the history of star trek video games are a lot of extremely mediocre games with a occasionally uh something uh that was uh you know entertaining like uh, the, is 20, that the 25th the anniversary is that the nature of the franchise in a sense because everyone remembers of a certain age how huge the Star, Star Wars vector graphics game was. But of course, yeah. what was the plot of that? You had to uh, escape the TIE fighters and blow up the Death Star, yeah. right? So right. that is, it lends itself to video games, right? That's a video game yeah. premise. The premise of Star Wars is a very visceral premise. Star Trek, to boldly go where no man, no one has gone before, you know, these are the voyages, blah, blah, blah. That doesn't exactly sound like the recipe for an action-packed game, which of course... It, it, it kind of was because the games didn't necessarily reflect the ideals of the show. I mean, we talked about how Gene Roddenberry was upset about the model kit where Kirk was using his phaser to shoot the three-headed snake Spock was because using his Spock, phaser. right, where Spock would shoot the three-headed snake because, of course, we would study that life form. We wouldn't arbitrarily destroy it. But, of course, what was the film, the, the, the game that had the biggest impact in the arcades early on? It was the strategic operation simulator That's where... Right. The Enterprise fought the Klingons. I love yeah. that game. It was like yeah. asteroids, Ooh. but it was Star Trek. That could only happen after Star Trek 2 when they had the Kobayashi Maru and all of a sudden right. you had a framework yeah. for yeah. an action game. Yeah, that, that game, I think, quite intentionally looks like the Kobayashi Maru simulation. They use vector graphics in the same way. They even use, I think, some of the sounds and the the, the music is actually more from Trek 2 than anything else. Yeah. So I think they were intentionally doing that. And, you know, it's a point I've made before, too, is that in some ways, Trek 2 is is one of, the, one of the first video game movies. You've got the Kobayashi Maru sequence. You've got the Genesis sequence. You've got sequences in a movie where computer simulation segments of a movie are integral to the plot yeah 
And that's what made the strategic operations simulator such a big deal at the time. It's like, wow, I could actually play the Kubibashiru simulation in a way on this arcade game. Right. And it was but on at the same time, you, you, had all, you also had games that were text-based, that were adventure-based, that were about exploration. Um, you know, there were games for the for the Macintosh, for example, that were very much like the Infocom games, right. um, where you interacted with with the game in, in that in that way, where you were kind of typing your instructions. Like I, I know, like kids today, like can't imagine like playing a video game where literally you're just typing instructions and you're reading. Um, for those of you playing at home, like sometimes words appear and you have to interpret them. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and interact with them. But there was yeah. no, but there was no Leisure Suit Larry Star Trek mm -hmm. edition. Although it would have been awesome. It would have been were. amazing. Rise Suit, <laughs> yeah. Richard. But you know, it's also interesting because Star Wars, again, you know, was sort of you could kind of knock it off as easily. Part of that was because of how litigious Lucasfilm was. Um, but you know, Star Trek, on the other hand. There was a series of knockoffs. You had, as uh, David pointed out to us, Atari Starship One and Star Raiders, which, you know, sort of presaged these other, you know, uh, Star Trek games. And I, you know, I remember that Starship One, the Atari game, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you know, in the 70s, the rules about whether you could show the Enterprise and not pay Paramount were kind of a little vague still. Right. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. you know, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, they got away with showing ships that looked like the Enterprise in those early video games. And, and the Klingons. Well, cause and the Klingon too. Because the secret is you can show a ship that looks like the Enterprise. You just can't call it the Enterprise. You put <laughs> exactly. 1701 on it. <laughs> even like on that Starship One game, even the arcade cabinet. The artwork on the side looked like those James Blish Star Trek novels. Yeah. It was yeah. Kind, of a, kind of a funky psychedelic look, and there's an awful Federation-looking ship down at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, I, I look, I I remember playing that. I'm dating myself, clearly. But, uh, you know, my Somebody brother has to. would play ice hockey, and i get dragged to his practices in Coney Island, which I, I couldn't stand. It was cold, and, and it was miserable, and it had sports. And uh, and and so, but the great thing was they had that game there. So I would love to come with my copy of Spock Must Die and my <laughs> James Blish books and my Star Trek puzzle book, and I would play that. Uh, you know, I would play that, and then later the Star Trek uh, strategic uh, operation simulator, and it was great because I love blowing up Klingons. Yeah, I, I did not take away Gene Andre's <laughs> message of peace. Yeah, yeah no, I think I think those shoot to kill, shoot to kill, shoot to kill. <laughs> The simulations were a big deal because, you know, before that, what you did have for a lot of video games was those sort of text-based things where you were looking down on something and watching it. And, you know, sort of the, the dream in the 70s was can you actually be in the game and play it like you're there? And that's what the simulations could do that you couldn't do before computer graphics become a bigger deal in the later 70s and early 80s. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I go ahead. Our local arcade when we were kids had the stand-up Star Trek game. Yep. And I, I love that thing. But every now and then we'd get to go to either Pier 39 or Marriott's Great America, and they had the sit down start. The sit down one, yeah. Ooh, and the, the, the controls nice. were on the sides of the armrest of the captain's chair. And yeah. uh, that I would just lose endless dollars in that thing. Yeah. It was, I love that machine so much. And David, during the pre show, you told us not a lot of these arcade machines are, are still with us because they had a problem. 
Yeah, the Star Trek strategic operations simulator in particular, it was a sort of cutting edge color vector graphics game, but it also meant it had a color vector graphics car inside that tended to uh, catch fire. So you don't actually see the Star Trek strategic operations simulator much anymore because there's not many more left around. I'm canceling my order for my birthday present to myself yeah. I, I played one a few years ago in las vegas at the pinball um, museum there which is a great place yeah. to see old old games but a lot of those old games i mean i guess we probably should say what vector graphics means is that when you think about most computer games or video games now you think about raster graphics where it's it's a bunch of pixels but right. vector graphics are all a bunch of lines and you actually mm. have a special kind of monitor to show that Yep. And that's what was difficult to make and was tended to blow up on those Star Trek arcade games. So that's why those. But I think the, the reason why people still remember that game so well is that Sega ported it to about every possible home console and video game you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That was on all the Ataris, Commodore. You can play that on you can play on anything. They just ported it everywhere. ClecoVision. Not on the Odyssey 2. Not the Odyssey 2. <laughs> <laughs> why did you have an Odyssey 2? Because it was awesome. Don't get these guys started. They'll agree with me. They got my back on this. There was a right. there was a little there was a little platform called Vectrex, which mm-hmm. was a, a black and white vector graphics, uh, and they had the Star Trek game on that, and yeah. uh, it was uh, you know almost as good as the real thing, not quite, uh, but uh, almost yeah. as good. I remember <laughs> on the on the Atari twenty six hundred version. It, they gave you like a plastic thing that would go over your one stick joystick with little arrows to how to do, how to do uh, go how to go to warp how to do torpedoes nice. all the various things you needed for this this controller that one stick and one button yeah. <laughs> well I guess this might help I don't know it's it's so funny you know you you mentioned earlier you said you know the the goal of these video games is to be in Star Trek and I'm yeah. jumping way ahead now I know we'll what come you're back, talk about but um. <laughs> We, Darren and me and Rob, I think, and Jeff, Jeff Bond and Ashley, I don't know if you were with us. We went to uh, to do the Star Trek uh, Kelvin experience uh, in in VR, you know, and it uh, it was a typical it was um, it was set up uh, for a brief IMAX had these V this VR station across from the Grove on uh, on Fairfax and um, we, you know, we went with, you you know, our, our kind of snide, kind of like, oh, you know, we're going to go and we're going to just, uh, you know, we're going to do it because it's Star Trek, but, you know, we're yeah. too good for this shit, right? <laughs> and um, we had the best time. It was time. really fun. I mean, like, it was like <laughs> within like a half, 30 seconds, we were so into it. Yeah. And it was like, get those shields up, Mr. Bond. <laughs> like, <laughs> and it was like. It's like, do you know what you're doing, Mister? You know, get the, the Falco up here. Um, but it was, uh, but it was, it was, but it was like, it was like the playing the game was like being Judson Scott in Star Trek Two. You're always looking around the the c- control thing to find out totally. which buttons to press. Oh yeah, right. we were so panicked. Yeah, yeah, we, it was totally that. I'm sure we said that at least six times. But it was so funny. We went from totally like this is a goof to like, oh my god. Uh, we're taking this way too seriously and it was so it was so crazy and it's funny I, I had a similar experience which is even more amazing um because given the, the source material but um I went to the VR um 
I remember our neighbors said, oh, you, you're going with our kids. You should bring your kids. Let's go out to the valley and we'll go to the Star Trek VR. And I said, oh, I didn't know there was Star Trek VR. And we got out there. It was the Discovery, uh, Star Trek Discovery. And I said, oh, I thought it was Star Trek. But <laughs> I, so I said, okay, well, let's, you know, I, you know, let's do this. And we suited up and everything. And um, and it was great. We had, the, we had we, but it was also, it was more action than I've ever seen on the show. But it was, um these aliens were attacking us and we were beaming and we we're doing all this stuff. Super fun. So yeah. it was like, naughty beamed me twice last night. After 15 minutes of it though, is walking around the desert, uh, shuffling your feet, making the Delta. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, yeah. it was like, the, the, I guess the goal is to be on the holodeck and slowly, but yeah. surely it seems like maybe we're getting closer to that goal. And then maybe Star Trek suddenly, suddenly Star Wars, the Star Wars also had a, had a, big vr game for a while yeah, yeah great was, one yeah there's what, what, a there's a vr game on the playstation 4 called star trek bridge crew mm-hmm. and you know but ps4 vr so you've got to put the thing on your head and you play the game and my experience has been that sitting alone playing that by myself is not at all really fun but if you're with a group of people and one person's playing and these people are watching and commenting on it then it becomes <laughs> something fun Right, and I think right. it's the same thing that you're talking about, Mark, that it's interesting that VR sounds like something that you'd want to play by yourself, but actually it's the least fun that way. I don't know yeah. why. Well, because like, you all like feel motion, stupid with the goggles. It's like motion exactly. pictures. It's like motion pictures. It's always more fun to share with yeah. others at the same time. Well, and also I think it was fun to see you guys doing as badly as as we were all we were all completely befuddled although i have to say i think i did a much better job as the captain and uh darren did an excellent job uh in his role it was jeff bond who really was the problem if i must say (laughs) (laughs) they could not get those shields up i don't know we were not able to beam the klingons off the ship in time i don't know why anyone would want to play with you ever again (laughs) i thought you were gonna say i don't know why anybody would want to play with jeff again (laughs) <laughs> i'm kidding of course i yes. i jeff, jeff is you're kidding not you know. kidding yeah sort of <laughs> i'm sorry kidding disney kind of cracked that same nut with their new uh, millennium falcon simulator because it depends on group dynamics where mm. if you got the two guys flying and the two guys working the guns and then two guys who are on you mean the, the ride yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Ride at, the ride, yeah. you get that same experience where if if the guys in the back aren't pulling their weight when you when you leave the cockpit, the, the corridors are smoking and burned because the ship is so damaged. Yeah, but you know, I, I got to say that Smuggler's Run yeah. is not nearly as good as Rise of the Resistance. Well, nothing is as good as Rise of Resistance. <laughs> yeah, 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 nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. The, I did the birth of Ashley's firstborn was not as good as Rise of the Resistance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, a, you know. Um, I look it's forward like, to seeing it one day if I can ever afford to go to Disneyland ever again. Yeah, I, I have yet to go on Rise of the Resistance because when I was – I went a couple of times to try to get on that freaking ride, and, like, I just could not get into a group to get on. And then this weird, like, global pandemic hit, <laughs> and I just didn't get back to Disneyland, which is very frustrating. So, yeah, Given how great that that ride is. You know, and actually to to get on it, you really have to go through the equivalent of what was a 90s, 1980s text-based interactive game. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, I would love to talk a little bit about those Infocom games, uh, because, of course, it was the Kobayashi alternative and the Promethean yeah. prophecy, which, you know, was as close I as you got it. to being in Star Trek in the early 80s. 
Yeah, I think those are interesting because they were clearly keying in on the idea that Star Trek is sort of character and story oriented, so that would be a good way to make a video game for Star Trek. And I can see... Where would they get that idea? Yeah. <laughs> right? What were they smoking? Yeah. And, and since the Infocom games this time were really popular, that's why that uh, those games came up for Star Trek as well. Yeah. yeah. I those love sort of those games. Uh, because see, I just felt one. completely immersed in it. You know, I was the guy. I was the one guy, the guy who was like, let's, let's play those games. I loved feeling like I was in a Star Trek story. And look, like Star Trek to me has never been about um, a little bit about the visuals because obviously we love the design of the place. But really, Star Trek is very story based. And that was how I engaged with it. Like that was that was really my favorite versions. I mean, this is jumping ahead a little bit. But if you like said, Ashley, you have to choose between the Infocom interface and that sort of a Star Trek game and say Star Trek Online, I would tell you Infocom uh, versions of these games all day long. You know, I mean, it's simply because like that to me is like is what makes Star Trek exciting. Yeah, yeah okay, but you met your writing partner on Usenet, so you don't count. Yeah, that's true. So, <laughs> yeah. What the hell do I know? <laughs> I, I mean, it's 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 so interesting, um, and that it, that all sort of petered out. Um, I, it was yeah, you know, it, it's so niche, isn't it, David? Yeah, I, I mean, in fact, you know, how many people even know what Usenet is anymore, for that matter? <laughs> yeah, the same no. people use Friendster. <laughs> wow. uh, so scott, scott were you into that stuff at the time i mean like we're you know during the 80s when star trek four and five and you know uh, we were coming out next generation was premiering i mean were you with video games at all anything that you were on your radar i have always there's always the newest console in my house just because i can't have david for a brother and not have the newest console in the house <laughs> or else i i else we have nothing to talk about so so but as far as the star trek games I just and I didn't get interested again until they got kind of towards the end of that that big that big Star Trek run whenever whenever DS9 and and Voyager were coming mm. out and all of a sudden you had games that had a true simulator aspect where you were like on the bridge and all of a sudden there were familiar controls and again like what Ashley is saying it wasn't about the fighting it was about the experience of being a crew it was about mm. the experience of being on the bridge and that's where yep. that that series of games like for for the for the early playstations those drew me in more where it felt like a star trek experience to me yeah well you know what i in, in 1989 i i bought my it's probably my first pc and um i got this phenomenal game i was so excited it was the first thing i bought for the new computer a star trek 5 video game and yeah I could not believe how good the great at the time. I'm like, these because I grew up on the Odyssey too, right? So I'm like, these graphics are amazing. That's ironic. This Star Trek I think I like video it better than the movie. Like, That's amazing. I think the special effects in the video, the PC floppy disk game were better than Brad Ferrant's effects in the actual movie. It would not be difficult. Yeah. Yeah. But it was uh, a fun game. Of course, at around that time is one of my well, okay, I, I'll say it. It is my favorite Star Trek video game, computer game. Um, my uh, roommate at the time had a uh, PC, and one day he walked in with this Star Trek 25th anniversary game. And it is, I think, for me, the best combination of sort of a text-based uh, game and a, a graphic shoot 'em up press-buttons game. Um, 
because it had, you know, it had little sort of cartoon-esque uh, uh, depictions of all the characters. Uh, you got to sit on the bridge. You got to tell Sulu where to steer the ship, huh. when to go to warp. Uh, you can tell Sulu where to go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you you could uh, turn and ask uh, Spock a question and, uh, and ask Uhura to uh, hail the planet. It was just so much... Uh, it was a lot like being in a Star Trek episode. And uh, later when he got a decent sound card, we could hear it and it would play the music and everything. And it was amazing. And I had so much fun playing that game. Oh, that's cool. Well, right around that time, isn't it true, David, that that was when you started because of CD-ROMs to see uh, the cast uh, record their roles, yeah. you know, which yeah. is you'd rather see yeah. little dialogue boxes. Yeah. you hear Shatner or to Takai memorable voice or you know some of the other cast yeah. actually do these games and that gave it a sort of uh uh authenticity that they hadn't had before yeah when those point and clicks first came out they were on floppy and then later they re-released them on cd-rom and they went to the, the original cast and they recorded recorded voices for all these all this dialogue it was at the time that seemed like wow we can do this now because we have cd-rom technology because before that it was just impossible yeah. and so there's two games like that there's the 25th anniversary and there's judgment rights and right. <sighs> Uh, it's it's interesting that that actually drew a lot of attention to structured video games again because the idea that you could actually play an episode in a way through those stories and they actually divided this, the the games up into uh, chapters that were individual yep. episodes. Yep. So that's another part of this this story thing that that ties into Star Trek games and it is kind of interesting that even on the the the, the, the predecessor the the Infocom style games the text ones you see these kind of games. With Star Trek, because of that sort of story and character emphasis, you don't see those kind of games for Star Wars games, really, but you no. do see it for Star Trek. I think that's that character and story connection we're talking about. Yeah. Well, and you, you also had them starting to dip into the uh, spinoffs. So you had Next Generation games like Final Unity, and it was Deep Space Nine mm -hmm. with Harbinger. So uh, how, how did those perform? You know, were they, were they, you know, did they sell well or they were they, you know, were they games? I think I think those did well, did well, too. But I think they didn't match up those first two, the, that that uh, the 25th anniversary special. That one got a lot of sort of broad industry attention and the yeah. judgment rights did pretty well, too. But that was sort of what Star Trek games were doing for a while there. And when you get into you get into the 90s or so, is that that was the, the model for Star Trek game for those point and click adventures. I mean, they, you know, maybe to make it easier for listeners to think about it those games are sort of like the uh the old sierra online games where you would like like king's quest or police quest or like later on the lucas arts games like um like uh, uh monkey monkey island yeah Mon monkey island things like that it's that that kind of a genre and so star trek i think star trek worked really well with that kind of a game because it, it had that point and click interface and a story element too which really resonated with people who wanted to play star trek and play a video game I have to say that I was very disappointed with the uh, Picard conference room simulator game. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was really, really boring. A lot of uh, open yeah, like all that noises. Stuff to go through just yeah. to have tea. That was weird. Yeah. It was <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I gotta say that you know, shortly thereafter, um, I think one of the most significant and most beloved of the Star Trek games debuted, which was the Starfleet Academy, and a lot of that had to deal with the fact that. Um, it was the last performance uh, in those characters of uh, Shatner's Kirk. And um, it was, uh, I think, George Takei's Sulu. And 
uh, the gentleman who played Chekhov, uh, Walter Koenig. <laughs> that um, gentleman. We recently got some attention again because of from the Blu-rays, but they had that Star Trek five press conference um, on the sets the last day of shooting. And uh, Bill is going up and introducing everybody. Leonard Nimoy, who plays Spock. And then he gets the Walter Koenig. <laughs> he clearly couldn't remember. What he was. And the gentleman, and the oh, gentleman oh. who plays Chekhov. <laughs> like, oh God, this guy. No wonder uh, Walter is so insecure. Oh no! Oh, no. <laughs> that's, that's and and if you so want to see that, it, I mean, there were a couple of people talking about it on um, on the social uh, on the social channels for Trexperts, but I had just watched it on the Star Trek Five um, uh, 4K, and I hadn't watched it in years. And I have to say, it's very moving to see them on the bridge in costume, and and also. It's right before five come, you know, they're just finishing production and everyone's clearly, you know, thinking they got a hit on their hands and they hear them talking about Star Trek five before, you know, it's, it's like the calm before the storm. It's so uh -huh. interesting to watch it now in retrospect and, and, and just to see them all like, you know, in costume on the bridge and, you know, obviously so many of them have passed away and the CD and Leonard and Michelle. And it's really, it's really, even though it's kitschy, it's actually quite moving to watch. Now, I have another personal connection to the Starfleet Academy game because uh, my friend, my roommate who had the uh, PC for uh, the 25th anniversary, he was the second AD on the Starfleet Academy game. Mm. Oh, wow. And uh, I got to visit the set and see them shooting some stuff Sorry. in front of the green screen. And uh, this is the first time that I'm going to share this publicly. But uh, one uh, Saturday... Uh, Dylan, who was my roommate, he said, listen, uh, I think we need to clean out the, uh, the costume trailer. I said, oh. Uh, so I just happened to grab the uh, Don Moore Mr. Spock shirt that I had when I was uh, seven years old, and I brought it along, and we went across the street from Paramount, uh, which was a different studio, a non-union studio at the time, uh, and we went into the costume trailer and there they were uh sulus kirks checkoffs monster maroon uniforms <laughs> just hanging there and they were the same ones that they had used on trek six and uh let's just say that i decided to see if i could try one on <laughs> <laughs> and Lo and behold, it fit perfectly. Shatner's tunic fit perfectly, and uh, I got several pictures taken with it, and especially with me wearing it and holding up my Don Moore Spock shirt from when I was in <laughs> second grade. And, uh, man, that was the greatest thing ever. We never got caught, thank goodness. Uh, and uh, I think the statute of limitations is, uh, is uh, uh, way past now. But uh, it was a great thing. And uh, unfortunately, my friend Dylan passed away uh, about 15 years ago. Um, but that is one of the great memories that I have uh, connected with that silly video game. I played the video game. It wasn't very good. But, <laughs> but it's great seeing them, you know, it's great seeing them play those characters. Well, I remember I was at the time I was doing Sci-Fi Universe and my assistant at the time, Amanda, went down to the set. And she just had the greatest time because interplay i guess it was interplay was throwing yeah. the hell out of it <laughs> and um so she the, she was like and of course they with, they all loved her yeah they all loved that was why yeah. she was a great journalist exactly. for us because yeah. you know you had all these journalists these 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 just 
these guys exactly what you thought they would be, you know, and uh, going down. And I had, you know, kind of like this. She, I mean, she was a great writer, first and foremost. That was, that was why I hired her. But she was also very attractive. And so whenever she went to the sets, they gave her so much more time and attention than any of these other guys yeah. from the <laughs> Starlog and from these other because Amanda was just fun to be around and 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 really knew her stuff and 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 uh, was a great writer. But you know, uh, and and this, she has all these pictures. I remember we ran the magazine. Her with George and Walter, just you know, they did like Abbey Road and all kinds of stuff, and it was just uh, it was really cool. And then of course it was the um, the spinoff they did the Klingon Academy game, which yeah. Uh, I think was, you know, popular with the Klingon set. Um, <laughs> they, you know, the Klingons love their games. Although, right? you I know, mean, they, they missed the they missed the point that, uh, unfortunately, the game was not compatible with any actual Klingon computers. So <laughs> uh, they missed their they missed their calling. There. I mean, you, you guys, when you're signing comic books and conventions, which you often do and stuff, um, the Klingons are weird, right? The people that dress up as Klingons, they come and talk to you in Klingon and, you know, they, they, they do the whole clip thing and they give, they take it very seriously. They, I mean, they, they don't, they don't break character. They, they, they take it very seriously. They're really involved in it and they have a stack of comics like this to get signed. It's like, yeah, yeah that's what I, I always feel like, you know what? These these are the guys we're writing for. I, 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 very seriously, you know, and uh, uh, they'll be like, and I, I try and return it with them because that's the the, the yeah yeah. I love Kapla, the Kapla. The, the, the Klingons love their shit, man. Yeah. Like they are hardcore. Like well, uh, I remember being at a convention and seeing like a a guy who was very proud that he was a Klingon Borg. I'm like, wow, man. You've really taken it to the to the next level, and um, someday you're going to meet a girl, which is crazy. And uh... <laughs> well, it's funny because you, after Star Trek Klingon came out, the next game in the series was Star Trek Borg, yeah. you know, which had John Delancey in it. Yeah. You know, and again, it, that was a big selling point because Robert O'Reilly was in the um, was in the Klingon, Klingon one, one playing Gowron, you know, and and. Uh, and then you know they had Delancey in the in the the board one, so it was interesting because it was really look at, at that time. Actually, I, I do think that probably the most entertainment video game was probably the Star Trek experience in Vegas. Yeah, you know, yeah, you the, yeah. You know, uh, the, the, certainly the first one yeah. where that you fight the Klingons. And I have to say, the Voyager one, I'm not like a huge Voyager fan, but um, when you get assimilated by the Borg and they do that little spray, that little air on the back of your head. It was pretty effective. It's yeah. it's definitely effective, but I have to tell you, I think like the Star Trek experience, the most effective thing for me of the entire Star Trek experience, other than you know the wedding thing, uh, was Quark's bar and oh, um, was great. the the, was. Uh, the warp core breach, which was just a terrific drink. They just had like the liquid nitrogen; it was just like blowing smoke everywhere, and those gigantic bowls of alcohol. And it was just like being on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, it's I was partial. Point, yeah, I was it's, partial it's, to the yeah, Holy yeah. Rings of Beta Z. <laughs> Hell yeah! <laughs> it's, David, it's, a really good, yeah it's a really good point that we were talking about how the ultimate goal for a really good Star Trek game sometimes is simulation, and the Star Trek experience was the ultimate simulation, and that's why it, it kind of was the ultimate video game in a way for Star Trek. And yeah. it's too bad. It's too bad it's gone. 
Yeah. Well, if you talked about Galaxy's Edge earlier with Star Wars. I think with Star Trek, people truly want to live in that world because, it, it, it you know, the best of Star Trek, yeah. it's a hopeful, optimistic world that anyone would want to live in, right? Yeah. You know, at least... Uh, and I think where that's, Star the main, Wars, that's the main difference. If if you're in right. the Star Wars universe, you better be a Jedi or you're out of luck. Yeah, you don't and want to... Like, then, look, Andor is a great show, but you don't want to stay at I don't the want to be hotel. there. <laughs> Yeah, that's not a place you want to be. You definitely yeah, I don't, watch don't, Andor. Actually, I don't want to live in. You know that. what hotel you want to be at? You want to be at the Boba Fett hotel because you know you'll you'll sleep a lot. Oh, <laughs> the, the the thing that the the Star Trek experience I thought accomplished best, and it can never be achieved again, sadly, is that when I first walked into that thing, these are the days before the internet, so I had no idea what to expect. Yeah, and no. they pulled the perfect switcheroo on you, where yep. it looks like it's gonna be a cheesy simulator ride. And you go and look, look at the, the cheesy waiting room and you're watching the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then, yeah. Boom, but that beam effect hits. And it just hits you like a ton of bricks. And it's yeah. like, holy crap, I'm on transporter room. And then yeah. you go past it and there's a real corridor. Yeah. And it looks perfect. <clears throat> and you turn around and there's the real bridge. And it's exact. And then I kind of get all weepy. I mean, <laughs> but now mm -hmm. I would all be spoiled by the internet. Yeah. 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 Yep. No, and that was brilliant. I mean, we had, um, what was his name on the show? Luke, Luke Mayron, uh, Luke, who was the uh, yeah. chief of uh, development for that game. At Landmark, who, who, who Landmark. developed that. And he talked about how they did that gag. And it was so effective for anybody who's been there. And I know you guys have been there and we've been there. Um, the beaming effect was so effective. And then finding yourself and you know, I assume you, you guys might have been on the the next generation sets. I've been on the next generation sets many times. And I thought the Vegas sets were very you know, like nailed it. I mean, it's a little great. bigger, but they were great. Yep. Um, I mean, yeah. I remember look, going and looking for the plaque and there was the plaque. And, you know, yeah. They were looking at me strange. What are you going over there for? No reason. <laughs> yeah, right. Listen to us. That was the problem. The, 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 the cast, the cast members, just like at Disney, they took the, take themselves a little too seriously. You know, it's like, this is the dream of a lifetime. There, so were, when different, they got yeah, there were different levels of, of, of capability of the cast uh people yes yeah, yes yeah. for sure if you got a good one it was great if you didn't it was less than great I remember, that's right you don't you don't always want a vulcan on the bridge as it turns out <laughs> by I the remember, way yeah in the turbo lift she just sold it whenever that turbo lift started rocking yeah and then, all right i like that that's good you know scott was in vegas the same time we were for the star trek convention and i i texted him and said oh you're here for the star trek convention we'd love to see you he goes no I'm here. I'm here to gamble I'm on vacation. <laughs> I said, "Oh well, you know, we're going to do all this cool stuff and have these great meals." He said, "I said you want to join us." He goes, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> Three days in Vegas is my limit, man. I'd, yeah, yeah. I sat by the pool. I saw Penn and Teller. It was time to go home. I mean, I saw you were there, and I'm like, "Why else would he be in Vegas this time?" <laughs> and it was like, "No, I'm not there for that dopey convention. I'm, 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 I'm just hanging out by the pool and enjoying my mai tais or whatever." It's like. Uh, it was it was so funny, yeah. Well, one of the uh, video games that uh, was featured at the uh, at the con this year was that uh, a bunch of people in scooters were supposed to hit Mark. That was their game. <laughs> it was like Galaga, yeah. only it was I, a I bunch of marks. It's like the just... most dangerous game. They're all coming <laughs> after me. Well, the tenth victim, you know, <laughs> Hunger Games. It's like they did all the co people in carts are just they got me in their sights. They're, they're converging on it. Exactly. Don't remind me. Okay, so we had. Uh, Klingon Honor Guard, which I honestly don't remember. That was a microprose game, wasn't it, David? Yeah, and I barely remember that one too. I think it's it, it was one of those uh, I forgot. 
it's it's a first person shooter. It's where Star Trek first started doing some Doom type games or like games mm-hmm. games like like Quake, and then later on they did um, the two Voyager ones. And the Voyager ones they, they get a lot of attention. Um, the the Voyager uh, Doom type games are they're both pretty good. Elite Force and and I think that sort of was a, a high point for a Star Trek video game for a while. Is those two those two games got a lot of attention? But they were like trying to be Call of Duty. I mean the the, the tagline right. of Elite Force was set phasers to frag. I don't but, even think frag was a word that was used <laughs> in Star Trek. I, I think it worked for them because the Borg made good enemies in those kind of a games yeah. in a way that you didn't have that before. Was was the the Borg are ideal as first person shooter targets. <laughs> So yeah. I think that's why those games caught on and why, why they did so well. And it was, you know, it was nice for Star Trek to actually have a, a really big selling game for a change. And I think that's what those those Voyager games did. Yeah. And yeah. it's also interesting how Star Trek kind of jumps on to new game genres as they appear, just like when the first when those new first person shooters, you know, when you first think about Doom coming out, you wouldn't think to be a Star Trek game, but then they, they found a way to make a Star Trek game out of it. Yeah. But it's and, interesting because again, you know, we talk about Star Trek's always the bridesmaid, never the bride. And it's like, none of these are like electronic arts or any of the big, the big developers. It's all smaller. You know, it was interplay back in the day. And, you know, Activision, obviously Activision is a little bigger, but still it was never like the 10 ton gorillas in the video game space. Well, because these, doing these, these video game companies are making games without the expensive IP uh, right. and they're, they're making money hand over fist. They don't need yeah. to have a, an yeah. expensive Star Trek game. And I'd even argue that Star Wars has also struggled with video games in the same kind totally, of way. Yeah. Years. yeah. I mean, I, especially in recent years, I mean, uh, there's been Star Wars Battlefront. It was like, well, people liked it a little bit, but I think it's it's harder to, to apply IPs to video games now because these video game companies are so big, they make their own IPs. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. What we, have. Exactly. That's what we, we have Destiny and we have Halo, we have Fortnite. Mass and, Effect. These are all bigger IPs. Than why, would they wanna pl- exactly. why would they want to pay a yeah. huge licensing fee? Right. There's no yeah. need. Right, right. Yeah, and then they become their own movies and TV shows. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, and what then, the hell you know, is that about? Once you get into the aughts, you have stuff like Bridge Commander, and uh, we talked about Bridge Crew for the VR, and uh, tactical games like Starfleet Command and Starfleet Armada and Star Trek Conquest. I, you know, what is your sort of take on the state of the Star Trek video game? You know, come come the aughts. I think the big game right now in a lot of ways is the Star Trek online game. And it's a really good game. It's big. It's huge. It's a giant multi-user, massive role-playing game. In some ways, it has aspects of all these games we talked about. There's a strategic aspect to it. There's a first-person aspect to it. There's a story aspect to it. They put a lot of time and effort into that game. I I really admire what they're doing. My biggest problem with games like that and a lot of video games these days is they take so much time to play. I can't play them all. Right. And, you know, these these games take huge amounts of of, of time commitments. And so, you know, you kind of sample them as you can, but there are so many games out there that that's why even talking about these a day, it's it's difficult because even you can't even, you can't even possibly play them all. (laughs) But, you know, I think that's the thing that's one of the great virtues of, of Star Trek Online, what I've always appreciated about it is exactly what you just said. It's, you know, whatever the thing is that I think you like about a Star Trek video game, you can kind of get from Star Trek Online. Hell, they even have like, you know, the EVE Online, you know, aspect of it that's pretty great, which is, you know, which is all of the Starship stuff. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Like even they if it's know just their simple... Star Trek star, yeah. starship those, stuff. They know their guys, starships, man. <laughs> yeah, those, yep. those guys are serious about their track, which is great. <laughs> hey Scott, yep. assume we're stupid, which is not a huge leap for me. But um, 
I'd love to know, can you explain what Star Trek Online is and what you do in the game and what the, the world is? Because I know very little about it other than it's Star Trek and it's online. Well, actually, I, I came to it very late. I only tried it for the first time a few months ago. And so I, I, I came into it very cold, not knowing what it was at all. And it's exactly like you guys have been saying, is that every kind of Trek game was all combined into a full Star Trek experience that you can play on your PS4 or on your computer. You start off as like a low-level crewman on the Enterprise. You wind up on an away mission. And, of course, which mission you get depends on the choices you make. And, the, and, and, and well, along the way, you meet people on the Enterprise who become important for that whatever mission you're on and you you assume through the ranks and sometimes the missions go bad on and you wind up in larger space conflicts and almost now it's a simulator game which is great it really is kind of like and that there's a uh a classic version and then there's a next gen version you can choose from and also mm-hmm. i believe a mirror universe version right now doesn't right have now. the flute in it because if it has the flute, I I just I'm not interested. <laughs> no flute that I know. <laughs> okay, you now now David, if you can tell us, because this is considered this is an MMORPG, which is a, a famous expression, massive multiplayer, something or other. Um, <laughs> and you know, obviously, this is a huge type of game. Tell us what are some of the other big games like this, and then wh- where do you think Star Trek Online uh, stacks up uh, favorably, and where it doesn't. Uh, I mean, there have been a lot of those massive multiplayer games. I mean, it, Star Wars has had some, and, and the thing with massive multiplayer games is sometimes they don't last. I mean, there have been Star Wars ones that have gone away. There have been, um, mm-hmm. it goes all the way back to to, to games, um, uh, other online games like that. And so, what what I think Star Trek Online brings is that it's it's not only been around a long time; it's been really. Uh, faithful to the to canon material and uh it's it's stuck with what what it's got and does a really good job of it and i think a lot of other games like that have kind of faded away because of it i mean the 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 other comparable kind of big game that seems like world of warcraft and uh things like destiny league of legends also i think would be a right, yeah. Legends, yeah. yeah and so you know star trek is star trek online is, is star trek's version of this and it it's it's grown over time and it's actually sort of stayed the course and stuck around when a lot of other games has kind of faded away and and like we've said i think it one of the things that's interesting about it is it's actually integrated these different genre games like strategy, first person shooting, um, uh, simulation are all in this this game, and so it, it, it's 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 quite an endeavor. It's 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 just, it's also a big time commitment. <laughs> it's also really well curated in that. I mean, I I was surprised that they had some original cast voices in it. That they, right. mm-hmm. that's how long they've been around, and so it, it, it more than more so than most track games I've played. It feels authentic. You know, yeah. It feels like you're in Star Trek. Yeah. Which is great. Which was always the thing that, you know, going back to the original Star Trek game where it's the 8x8 eight eight grid, like, that's what I wanted to feel like. I wanted to feel like I was in Star Trek. Mm. Um, which is a little bit different than the experience of wanting to play a Star Wars game, which is, I want to be a Jedi. I don't want to be some other asshole. I want to be a Jedi. But with, like, a Star Trek game, I want to be in Star Trek. Yeah, I want to have like I want to experience those stories, and that's a that's a, a a fine gradation, but I think it's a real one. And Ashley, for the last couple of years, you've been uh, show running and executive producing Dota: Dragon's Blood on Netflix, which is uh, an adaptation of um, a very, 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 very popular game. Um, 
you know, what, what have you learned about these type of games from that experience and the challenges of, of uh, that both the designers of the, those games have and, and, and the devoted fan base? Well, it's interesting because one of the things that I think those games um, really uh, contend with is developing something that feels like a consistent backstory and lore, right? Because the people who play these games, as much as they love like playing the actual games and the strategy of it and all that other shit, um, there is a part of their heads that are very much into the lore of it. And even if things don't make a lot of sense, like I'll tell you right now that, you know, look, Dota is basically 120 heroes, none of which truly make any sense together. Um, there's a part of the player's brains that want them to make sense. And I think the thing that becomes attractive about taking a property like Star Trek, and the thing about Star Trek that's so special is that it's very expansive, right? All the, the different Star Trek spinoffs showed us that you could have different captains, you could have different crews, you could have different ships. Hell, you didn't even need to be on a ship, right? It was really just about the story. So you could have all of this lore and this background, um, but then you could also take that and you could create different environments or different styles of play. Um, you could emphasize different, different aspects of the show. And I think that's what Star Trek Online did really well was that it really leveraged all of those things, you know, but the, the reverse of the equation becomes very difficult. Um, it, again, because when you, when you set out to make a video game, you're not setting out to create a consistent story world. I think sometimes you wind up with one, um, but for the most part, you know, your, your overriding objective is to create an experience for the audience who is playing the game that is immersive in the context of the game but not necessarily immersive in the context of story. Um, but uh, but Star Trek is very special because I think that it, it lets you it kind of lets you swing both ways, baby. Plus, I want to ask. It, Sorry, it gives ahead. you a great forum for the uh, Mr. Kyle and uh, and Mr. O'Brien uh, tag team adventures. Uh, where you, can... <laughs> you can really go deeper with Mr. Leslie, which is like something. Very <laughs> Mr. Exciting. Leslie goes um... deeper. That's his. Uh, that's his. That's his. Uh, you know his motto. Yeah. That's, mutiny, that's a Mr. whole different type of uh, of video game. That's so mutiny, wanna... Mister. Yes, sir. It is. <laughs> yeah. So, David, I want to ask you this because you know, obviously, it's no secret that movies and television, you know, budgets are just going through the roof because things have to be bigger and more elaborate. It's not unlike that in the video game world. You know, it, it could cost you know hundreds of millions of dollars to develop a big video game, something like Star Trek Online. Um, but it does seem like the the only space where you're seeing sort of smaller games is the mobile space where you can make a yeah. lot of money and not put a ton of money into it necessarily. Where does Star Trek exist right now in the mobile space? Star Trek has a lot of phone games that are more like the strategic games we talked about earlier. There mm -hmm. are a lot of grids. You move things around in the grid. And I think part of that is because when you're on your phone, you may not have time to play the gigantic multi-user <laughs> role-playing game, but you do have time to move some ships around a grid and see if you can win something and go to the next to the next grid. <laughs> and so I think that makes sense for a mobile game. You want something short and kind of fun. 
And, and there's a number of Star Trek. I mean, there's there's a new uh, Lower Decks one that is getting a lot of attention too. And so that's where I think Star Trek has jumped on to with mobile games is is those those kind of strategic games, which is kind of interesting because that's what it was sort of the genesis of Star Trek video games was those things. Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well uh, correct me if I'm wrong, David. Isn't there one of the mobile games that's almost more of like a combat game with the actual characters? Yeah, but even it, it has that same kind of strategic element to it. Right, right. Yeah, and you're moving around on the grid, and and you're 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 playing the game like that that kind of a game. Yeah. yeah I, I only mentioned that because I happened to notice that a while back they started using some of our mirror characters in that. Yes, exactly. Like, I'm kidding. I'm thinking, wow, nice. My guys are in the game now. <laughs> I want to have. I want to have. They, they use voices. You, you, and actually, there's a number of commercials with some of the TNG cast these days for those same video games too. Yep. I I really want to have a uh, a mobile game where it's the cast members that fight each other. <laughs> the actual oh, cast not the characters members that fight yeah. each other. It's George Takei yeah. versus yeah. Bill Chatner. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> John Delancey yeah. fights Patrick Stewart. <laughs> hey, hey, good money. And Kate Mulgrew and uh, the mud mud wrestling. Um, oh, oh, right. oh my. Yeah. So, uh, Henry Brooks shows up and kicks everybody's ass. ass. Yeah. So play some cool jazz. <laughs> before before we we wrap up, I got to ask you guys, um, each one of you, um, your favorite Star Trek video game. And I'll start with the expert, the video game uh, uh, um, savant himself, uh, Mr. David Tipton. David, what's your favorite Star Trek video game? I still probably like the old Star Trek Strategic Operations Simulator. I just love that game. The, the graph, the those vector graphics are so so colorful and bold, and it was just a lot of fun to play at the time. Yeah, uh, it, it and it it sort of rings a bell with my with my youth in a way. I, I yeah. still remember that game so clearly. Yeah, and it was very, it wasn't confusing. You knew exactly what you had to do. Yeah, fire phasers, photon torpedoes. And uh, you lay it down a spread, and you you de- destroy the Klingons. No organian peace treaty, no nothing. Just take them out. It, it's like the first <laughs> no race needle. I'm Star Trek the motion pictures for two hours, or as many quarters as you had. You just keep going. No figuring out what command you need to type, what what words you need to say to get somebody to do something. You just shot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Okay, what about you, Scott? How, what's your favorite Star Trek video game? I mean, favorite again, no, hands down, it was it was that that simulator, the arcade game. That that was countless hours. But the, the 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 computer version of Star Trek that I think I spent the most time on is not even a game, but there was again, it was right during the big nineties Star Wars or Star Trek boom, that mm. star that Star Trek Encyclopedia Compendium CD ROM. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before I love the internet, that. and there was no memory alpha, and all of a sudden, no, no, I've got no, I've got like a shelf full of reference books. All of a sudden everything was here and it was in one format and it was kind of L cars looking. I they had clips. Like yeah. you would click on it and it would show you clips. I, I spent hours with that thing. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I, 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 I love that because I remember the most excited I ever got was I, I, we were at WonderCon in San Francisco and Darren had every episode of the original series on his iPad, iPod. Video, it was the, the video iPod had just came yeah. came out. And he said, I got something to show you. I'm like, what is it? And he shows me, it's like every episode of Star Trek on this little iPod. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I said, can you hook up a brother on this? <laughs> and, and he did. And I just thought it was so good. I couldn't play. I got like all these Star Trek, every Star Trek episode <laughs> in this little box. I can watch it whenever I want. And but that was like that, that, that CD-ROM, that encyclopedia CD-ROM was really, really cool. Ashley, what about you? Uh, easily hands down the og star trek game with the eight by eight grid where you are like going from system to system 
hunting the the Klingons because you know what it was like for me? It was like being inside of my very favorite original series episode, Balance mm. of Terror. That's ah. what it was for mm-hmm. me. That's what I got to pretend I was doing. I got to pretend yeah. I was Captain Kirk in Balance of Terror. You wish. And uh, I will always love that game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Darren, what about you? Balance of Terabytes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to call the episode. <laughs> I love it. Terabytes. All right, uh, I'm stealing go. that. We're using that for um, the episode title. <laughs> look, I, I love the 25th anniversary game, but I do have to say that the, the arcade game, the Strategic Operations Simulator, was so much fun, if only because it had Nomad in it. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That's I like mean, in, in yeah. asteroids when when the when yeah. the really powerful or, no, missile command when yeah. all of a sudden the really powerful thing comes by. It was the same thing. Nomad would come by. Yeah, he just zip oh. around and you had to catch him, but you usually didn't. <laughs> I had so much fun. Forgotten that. Oh my yeah. god. Me too. He until he just said it. it's blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny because I was going to say that that um, that's that VR thing that we went on at IMAX. But honestly, now that he mentioned Nomad was in the strategic operations game, I got to go with that. And people are thinking, <laughs> what is with these guys? 40 years of Star Trek video yeah. games. And they all like this <laughs> thing from 1982 where it's like the little lines kind of look like the Enterprise. And the little lines Except for the one that like likes no, no you know, graphics whatsoever. Yeah, right, exactly. Other than asterisks. Except for the guy, the younger guy who likes yeah. the one without any graphics. <laughs> I mean, I remember what it was like to play Space Invaders for the first time. I think, wow, this is really cool. And it's like, it, you know, that's still probably the best game ever. Um, <laughs> His mention of Nomad reminds me, the one good Star Wars game that was pretty good was for Shadows of the Empire, that yep. in-between thing between Empire and Jedi they made. Yeah, oh, I and remember. At one, yeah, at one point, you'd be in a train yard, and IG-88 would just show up and yeah. just end you. Yeah. And we never had to tell it when no <laughs> here. It's like, oh, it's all over now. So, so wow. Darren, when you would get on the scoreboard, would you sign it Jackson Roy Kirk as I the would, high score? I would not. I would not. I would. I would just use my uh, either Doc or DRD, and uh, that was fine for me. I didn't. JRK wanna... man. JRK. Doc the DRD is fine for me. JRK <laughs> jerk. <laughs> Jackson Roy Kirk. Yes. That's 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 the or you can sign Tan Ru. That's right. Okay. Tan Ru. Well, I have to say this was not only wildly enjoyable, but incredibly educational as well. And yeah. and, and and so I <laughs> as I really we always wanna, strive to be. I want to thank David for taking the time. You know, it's not like we had all this at the tip of our, you know, this is not something in our memory banks that's at the top. So he was kind enough to to do a little research and little a little primer for all of us and so thank you for doing that david i think oh, it made welcome. it a better show and uh it really was you know this, and i i apologize because this was a show that was suggested by one of our listeners and honestly i don't remember who it was and so you know who you are and <laughs> thank you for suggesting it because uh it was a much better show than it had any right to be <laughs> Well, only because we can't show the games, you know, right. you can't play the games, you know, so it's Jeff Bond's fault. So, <laughs> yeah. And, and also thanks to Scott as well. I mean, you know, you're, you're, oh, I, you're, oh, yeah. you're sing, singling yeah, out David, but, uh, you know, I, I know the rivalries that brothers can have and, and uh, we want to make sure that they're both honored. When it's have- not Fredo and Michael. It's, it's between the brothers, Kane. It's between it's the brothers. Like, come on. 
When you have the all Star Trek Mego Hour, I'll write you guys a seminar you wouldn't believe. Oh, okay. <laughs> write your strengths. Prophetic let's, words, let's Mr. Tipton. Prophetic <laughs> words. We should do that. I and mean, we had we had the wonderful and talented Rob Klein on to talk about Star Trek toys in the past, and of course Rob Burnett, who probably owns them all. But um, uh, it'd be great to have you. You know, we could do a deeper dive into Mego at some point. I think that would be uh, that would be fun, especially since. Um, they're doing new toys. And I know that Ed Gross interviewed um, the head of Mego, um, um, Mort, uh, Mort Abrams. Marty or, Abrams. Yeah. Marty, yeah. Marty Abrams for, for our book for the admission. And he really didn't remember much. Like yeah. it wasn't a great interview. Like it was like, he didn't have much to say. So, I mean, it was like, we were really, it was, it was before Mego came back. So it was yeah. like a coup to get him, but he didn't have much to say. So it, I, I'd rather have somebody who's like an expert like you talking about it than, you know, like Mario says, yeah, we did the Star Trek toys. They were successful until we uh, until we uh, we did Star Trek motion picture. That all went to hell, you know. So, uh, oh look, what do you got What's there? That? No oh, one, yeah. no one can see this because we aren't video anymore. But here's uh, Kirk in uh, his uh, oh his tunic, his fancy, uh, his dress, fancy his get up, fancy get yeah, up. Uh, Con, gone. You know what? I'm really annoyed with you because I remember when we were at the Star Trek convention, I saw all this cool Mego stuff, and yeah. you're like, oh. Don't buy these no, because they they're not have. accurate enough. They're not authentic. You don't want those. Don't spend your money on them. And I, I so I listened to you. I didn't buy no, them. This was after I'd bought them before, and I realized that they weren't very accurate. I know, but now you have them all. I was trying to yeah, say they're those. like they bring you joy. Oh, look, it's the green wraparound, Kirk. Huh. <laughs> I mean, they need like the salt monster and core and all this cool stuff. And well, they maybe were I'm just and mean like, and I that. wanted to keep them all for myself. Maybe that was it. I believe it. You know, I, well, but I got the mirror, the mirror Sulu from X08, and you don't. That's correct. Oh and you don't care oh. though, so that's X06. It's X06. Right here. Oh yeah, yeah, that one. one, that one, that one. I, by the way, I gotta say, do you read the guy who's like the head of X08 ever on Facebook? Oh, X06, X06, X06. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schubert, Schubert's amazing. Yes. I mean, he keeps like touting this stuff, but he never really, he never, he keeps announcing what he's going to do, but then he never puts them up for sale. <laughs> he's been talking about this Star Trek The Motion Picture stuff for months. Well, and then he keeps the, announcing other stuff. I just want the Star Trek The Motion Picture stuff. His Facebook page is a hilarious stream of consciousness. It's, it's fantastic. But totally. compared to every other uh, uh, manufacturer that makes six scale figures, nobody has gotten as many out in a short time as that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, how he's doing it. I, I think he's crazy because like, <laughs> he's, like he's like, oh, we, don't worry. We're going to get more, uh, more Voyager out this month. I'm like, I don't we care. We don't want more Voyager. I just want yeah, exactly. to start to Voyager Voyager. you've been talking about for months. I just want just just last as long until so I so I get that disco uh, McCoy with the beard. Oh, yeah, I know. I so yeah, want that. Yeah. I so want the can, big three. So he can play around. He can uh, have uh, conversations with uh, the one six Harry Kim. I mean, yeah, like the, he's the, putting the out Saturday Night Live McCoy. He's putting out Chicote when he could be putting out Mr. Eric's. Or, you know, I mean, it's like, come on, man. Yeah. What? Right? Has anybody really? ever been excited about Mr. Chakotay? And I'm just like, like who's I, ever given Chakotay a second thought? Not even Janeway did. Off the air? I yeah. Know. Not even Robert Beltran has thought about Chakotay. Put out a Disco McCoy. That's all we want. Give us the Disco McCoy. I'll stop bagging on this guy if he just puts out the Kirk and the Spock and Disco McCoy from he, Motion he's, Picture. He's also doing Pike in the chair. I know, yeah. but she had announced that 
a Star Trek convention back this summer. And meanwhile, he's got like six Voyagers and nine discoveries. And we're still waiting for Pike in the chair. Like, come on. <laughs> Look, he's doing great work. I got to give him a compliment. He's doing really, he's Although, doing the Lord's work. I This is an aside. I would like to see a version of Pike in the chair with a, uh, a battle damaged, um, uh, actual actor that played Pike with Jeffrey Hunter. Well, oh, mm-hmm. as opposed to instead Sean of Kenny? Sean Kenny, Kenny? I, oh, I want, that, I want that's both. Cool. I want both heads. <laughs> there's there's, no, there's no please in us, apparently. No, you, there you is can't none. do anything without without us having a quibble about something. That's correct. But uh, there's, it's like there's so much stuff. Like I'd love, you know, because remember, Playmates did a great uh, Harry Mudd when they did those eight eight inch ones. Um, yeah, they, I have the Edith Keeler and, and, and stuff, and it's Mugs just like women loved it. There's so many opportunities. Do a rock, do a rock. Yeah. I don't need Chakotay. I need a rock. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's like come on. Enough you mean like Captain Harriman? Yeah, yeah. No. Like, that'll be. It's just like <laughs> we gotta do something for everything. No, you don't. No, do the ones that are gonna sell, right? Do do the ones for people who have spendable money. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Once exactly. spend it. Yeah, by the way, of course you have Mira, Mira Sulu because you just wrote the wonderful uh, The Mirror War for IDW, which just completed. And I guess the gra- the uh, the graphic novel compendium will be coming out for the holidays. Yeah, we're not, we're not sure exactly when that's coming, but it's, it's certainly on the way. Okay, that's great. Well, um, um, that, that must re- have been It's regrettable. It's regrettable, but it will leave you in command. <laughs> well, guys, thank you again so much for uh, joining us today on the Trexperts. And we always, it's always a delight to have you guys, and we look forward to having you again soon. Always a pleasure. Glad to be here. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. See, we promised you an interesting show, and, and there it was. It was, there it, was. yeah, <laughs> I, I had a lot of fun. I hope uh, everyone else did, too. It, it yeah. brought me great pleasure and joy. Yeah, well, I probably would have enjoyed it more if we talked about Zaxxon, my favorite oh my game God. of 1982. But, you know, uh, that, that had its own, like, uh, Star Trek uh, uh, vibe to it, uh, in a way. I and always hated did... Zaxxon. I I, ne- I never could get the... Uh, over the wall. The, it was, it was the, hard the, to the get over the correct. Like, you know, it was much it. better in the arcade <laughs> than it was on the home consoles. That's because... right. That's absolutely It would have been yeah. better if they had, like, Arlie Ermy screaming at you, right? Like, get over that God, wall! You're miracle you over my wall! No, everything, everything is better with Arlie Ermy screaming at you. See, yeah, I would, I would have preferred uh, what was night. his name from Enemy Mine, Luke Gossett Jr. from oh Arthur Gelman. Yeah, come on, Mayo, get over that wall. I got nowhere else to go. Yeah, except over this wall. So, uh, this wall. so anyway, we're really rocking and rolling here on the uh, on the Inglorious Trexperts, and of course, um, we're we're so grateful to all our listeners who chose to become Trexperts Plus subscribers. If you're not already a Trexperts Plus subscriber, you should uh, uh, you should immediately because uh, it's the only way you can access our sister show, Deck Seventy Eight. And Deck 78, we've done some terrific episodes recently. We're going to continue to do some really exciting episodes coming up with special guests and sometimes just with us, John, is it, talking. Is it, is it a sister show then? It, or is no. It a, is it just it's a, a brother sibling show? show? Maybe it's a cousin show. It's a know. cousin show. It's like I mean, a kiss and cousin uh, show. Like it's a like a brother brother? cousin that you feel weird about, but you're like, okay. It's a stepbrother know. show. It, it, yeah. Look, it, it's our way, of, we've talked about it for years, of talking about things they're Star Trek adjacent. Yeah. You know, and without, you know, making Trexpert suddenly a show that's covering everything but Star Trek. 
So, uh, and it's a, I think, you know, and the only way you can listen to the show is if you uh, subscribe to Trexpress Plus. And by doing that, you're not only supporting your own listening edification, but you're, you're supporting our ability to outsource uh, uh, mixing and um, uh, uh, hosting and all kinds of stuff that supports the show. Inglorious Trexpress is always completely free. We'll continue to be completely free. But uh, if you want this extra bonus uh, show uh, and you want to, you know, be supportive of the show, then uh, please subscribe. To do that easily, just go to trexpertsplus.com. Trexpertsplus.com. Fantastic. Please do. All all spelled out. All all spelled out for you right there. Trexpertsplus.com. And, uh, of course, uh, you can uh, join the conversation. There's a lot to to unpack about this episode. You can join us on Inglorious Trexperts at Instagram or Inglorious Trek on Twitter or on Facebook at Inglorious Trexperts. All great places to, uh, you know, uh, share and grow stronger through the sharing. Because uh, we have, um, we, you know, I'm sure you have a lot to, to say after listening to this, this episode. So uh, there you go. But uh, on, uh, I got to say, uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us for another exciting episode. I hope you'll be with us next week for Deck 78. We'll be back in two weeks with an all new Trexperts. Um, But until then, on behalf of uh, Ashley Edward Miller, Darren Docterman, and myself, Mark A. Altman, keep on trekking and gloriously, of course. 